0: Hello and welcome into a joint podcast today of the Next Gen Podcast hosted by myself, Bryson Wright, and the Believe In Podcast hosted by Sharon Shy Brown of the Memphis Flyer. Uh, How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. If you don't follow uh, Sharon Shy Brown on Twitter... She's one of the best follows. I always see her talking about Grizzly stuff. Been working in the media uh, in Memphis forever. Well, as long as I can remember, since I've been uh, trying to work my way up. And I feel like she's been a great help so far. So I thank you for that. And I also appreciate you doing this with me, because I think this could be a really, a really fun conversation.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you coming on with me. And I'm so happy we're doing a joint podcast talking about
0: the Grizzly. Definitely. But uh, to start... Uh, We're going to start with talking about Ja. I know that's how we start. Probably a lot of stuff when you talk about the Grizzlies and kind of about how his popularity is hitting kind of, I feel like it's hit another level this season. Like last year, he was kind of just reaching the superstar level, but this is going to be his first full year of, I feel like people seeing him as a superstar in the NBA, you see the new Jaw ones, which have been awesome, and him giving them out to fans and stuff at the games, going to be coming out in April. And then just some of the awesome plays he's been making the last couple of weeks, especially on this Grizzlies win streak. I think that he's poised to be one of the faces of this new generation of NBA players. And I think out of everybody, I think he has, in in terms of box office potential, I think he has the most in the NBA right now.
1: Most definitely because, like, um, I was looking at, like, the dunk he did the other night um, against Indiana. I was like, man, look how many views that dunk got. And then you had people in other sports talking about it. Like, the NFL playoff games going on. You had NFL people talking about that dunk. I mean, never mind the NFL games going on. But people talking about that dunk, And I'm like, and then what's so funny is, like, we know that he got had to take a drug test today. That yeah. was so funny to me. I was like, wow. Because it's just like, he's on another level. And then dude is like 6'1". He's dunking like that. Man. No, it's. Yeah, he's very popular. Even though some people hate him, but I think they're coming around like, hey, this dude is really it.
0: Well, I actually think that people hating you is actually one of the number one ways you can really see your popularity, though. Because, I mean, right. if you look at, like, all the people that are the most hated, it's usually the ones that are the best players in the league. Like, I'd say LeBron's probably the most hated player uh, for a lot of people uh, go at him, and he, but he's also the most popular. So I think that's just something that's going to come with it. Uh, but I do think, like, especially when you see him in person – because I don't get to see him in person as a lot, cause like a ton just because I don't actually live in Memphis but after going to that game yesterday seeing him during the MLK game and it's like seeing him in person it's just like a completely different feeling because I don't think you realize like how much smaller he is than some of the guys out there on TV like you, right. can, you can tell you can tell that he's not big like he's not a big dude but when you see it in person and you see like the athletic plays he's making and he's like six one six two jumping and finishing through contact over guys that are like seven feet tall. It's it's just awesome. And I said it on Twitter the other day. If you haven't seen him in person yet, you got to find a way to see John Morant in person. Uh, if he's coming, if even if you're not a Grizzlies fan and you're listening to this and you want to see, if if you want to pick out a, a game to go to for your team, I would suggest a game where they play the Grizzlies. Now,
1: because you never know what you're gonna miss. It's like exactly don't see him in person and then it's just like with me it's just like when I go to the games like I'm in the media row upstairs right and so it's just like we just can't say like, like you know how I would like the dunk the other night I was like oh I can't do that you know when I go to the game in media row I can't do that but I be you know some of us we be like wow but you know it's just like you have to react different when you're at home but man it's just like when you miss the games, you be like, man, because like if I'm not there, I'm definitely going to watch it on TV because I don't know what I'm going to miss.
0: Yeah, for and, sure.
1: And, and that's that's crazy. And then it's like, and then like to know that people filling up arenas just to see him play. Like, it's just like I can understand the fandom here, but when they go on the roll, it's just like, wow. Cause like that game in, in Indianapolis, I'm like, y'all in Memphis. <laughs>
0: It sounded like it was, especially on that poster Exactly,
1: because I'm just like, when he dunk. I mean, that crowd was like, I mean, they was like on high for a minute, <laughs> because they was like, mm-hmm. wow, what did we just see?
0: Yeah, and I think that we're kind of going to see that even more as this keeps going on, and I mean, he's had poster dunks for every year of his career. I don't know if you would say so. I think that this one might have been his best one in terms right. of, it, like, it difficulty, was- yeah, I think this was the best one.
1: Right, because he cocked it way back. But, like, you know, it's just like it's one of the dunks where, like, man, it would have been so good if he made it he missed. But, you know, like, if, if his mixed dunks get, like, the popularity, what's going to happen when he actually make it? Because I think the one over Kevin Love, if he actually made that, that would have been the best dunk of his career. But this one, yeah. like, man. And then to yeah. see the guy's eyes, I was like, he was like, oh, man, what did I get myself into? He tried to play it off afterwards, but, man, we could see it in your face that you was like, oh, when keeping it real goes wrong.
0: <laughs> Definitely. My favorite part, though, I think, like, outside of the dunk was just the reactions. Whether exact- that was, like, social, like, yeah, I think the bench was awesome and then Zaire literally just put his hand on his head while he was trying right. to run back on defense and I actually applaud him for even remembering to run back on defense because I know right. if I was out there I would have just forgot completely that we were playing a basketball game I exactly. been, you need to see the replay I'd be looking up at the Jumbotron they passing the ball in so it was like I actually applaud the guys that are on the court and Steven Adams for catching them so shout out to right. Steven too.
1: Yeah, and then it's just like how the coach's reaction, the fan reaction, the little kids who saw what's gonna happen, they jumped up like they from the NBA had every angle, and then the photos. And I'm just like, my God, how he cocked that man that mug back. I'm like, how did he do this? And then the reactions from um LeBron, the, the reactions from Kevin Garnett, the reaction from um. What the what the guy name? Oh Lord, I I had it on my mind. You know, you got the uh, I got. A, I'm having a senior moment right here. Kevin Durant, camera. Okay. Kevin Durant reaction. Like man, and then people tell him, "Well, you need to be in the dunk on this contest. You need to do this. You need to do that." That I mean, yeah. it was just so awesome. And then people still talking about the dunk. Still I know talking exactly.
0: About I mean, because we're, what, three days out of that now, and people are still posting about it and talking about it. Uh, But I did want to get into a little bit, like, as somebody who's been covering the team for as long as you have, what does it mean kind of for the city to just have a superstar of this level and a guy that is garnering all of this national attention?
1: I mean, it's like, man, before you had to, you know, people – really doubted the Grizzlies, especially when uh the core four was here, you know, the grit and grind Grizzlies. Um, It's just different. I mean, it's very different. And, you know, like when they go, because like last year became different when he was getting MVP chance in Brooklyn. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's like the Grizzlies yeah. ain't never, never had, you know, and then all you know, all the things on social media, everybody's talking about the Grizzlies. And it's just like man, and I don't think I mean the Grizzlies were a threat um, to win a championship, but not like this ever. It's it's just so different, and it's not just you know people. Job brings the crowd, but like once you watch the whole team and the completeness of them, and then you'll be like amazed when you'll start you know basically like an everybody, but you know like. uh Nobody but us is going to, you know, like Dylan Brooks, but, you know, yeah. But (laughs) you see the totality of the team and the organization and people just, you know, like it. Because some people tell me, like, from your writing and things of that nature, I became a Grizzlies fan because I like Mm -hmm. John Moran. It's just just amazing.
0: And then then I feel like it's not even just in the U.S. Like, when we do the Grizzlies Twitter spaces, we've had Mm -hmm. people come in from Europe and like the UK and stuff like that we've had people come in from Australia and New Zealand we've had people come in from Brazil I think Uruguay like we've had people come in from everywhere just talking about the Grizzlies and how Ja has kind of made them into this contender and I do I do like what you said about them like they were always a threat back in the core four days I think that's definitely the case like nobody wanted to play the Grizzlies yeah nobody wanted to play them but I feel like there were a lot of players or like, I feel like the top tier teams felt like they could still beat them, but they exactly. just didn't, they just didn't want to play because that they knew it was going to be a physical series regardless. Because of like,
1: yes. Yeah,
0: definitely. So I think there's a difference now where it's like this Grizzlies team, I think has a better chance this year to win a championship than any of the teams in the past really have. I mean, you could argue like 2013 and 2015. I think those were the two, best years that they've had, mm-hmm. I, I would say those are probably the ones they had the highest chance. But can it I think this one is probably the best based on what we've seen so far this year.
1: Yes. And then it's just like and then like you got these group of guys who're not afraid and think that they can beat anybody in the league. And they're gonna talk plenty of crap about it. They're gonna do it.
0: <laughs> Definitely. But and then the other reason because it's not I think the big thing is is that even though Ja is so awesome it's you, – you don't want to forget about the other guys, especially when it comes exactly. to like Desmond and Bay then, and Darren people, Jackson Jr. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and people often forget about that. And then it's just like – then some people will like, his team better without him. So you get mad at a team. You get mad at a guy. It's just like when their star go out and they still playing. Don't be mad at him. Just – you know, it's just, it's just the organization. It's just how these guys play. When Ty's Jones step up in his place, you basically get – you know, similar. He he don't have the athleticism as job, but he's a smart player and he's mm-hmm. gonna make the right plays. He's been more aggressive this season. And it's just like don't get mad because you know you expect the team to lose when he's out and they don't do they're not doing it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing with Tyus when he comes in is from a number standpoint, like he's not gonna score as much, but I'm still like he still is giving you like 20 and eight when he comes in. As a starter, as a starter, yeah. like that's that's the kind of things that he's still putting up. So like a big shout out to him and then big shout out to like, of course, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think on Monday, the three of them kind of playing together and playing well all at the same time is something that I yeah. think a lot of Grizzlies fans and people in media and everybody is like, that's what they need to see, because at the end of the day, that's going to be the difference between the Grizzlies doing what they did last year and or winning at it all. It's going to be those three guys got to be on the same right. page. And I feel like they're starting to put it together offensively. Yeah, yes.
1: Offensively, yes. Because, like, the defense have been there been there for Jaron. And last year, I don't think he has his footing. And then, like, this year, people just don't understand how much he's been better offensively when he's just not shooting three-point shots. He's going in, in the paint and dominating. He's six, shooting, like, 60% in the paint right now. from from two point shots, So he's been aggressive there. And like, if he just keep doing that, they're going to be hard to beat.
0: Yeah. And you talk about, yeah. And you talk about kind of like his efficient, I think his efficiency has been the most surprising thing. His field goal percentage is up 10 percentage points from last season. So he shot 41% last year. He's up to almost 52% this year. (laughs) So that, I think that's been the biggest thing. And then, like you said, there's been less three pointers, where mm-hmm. last year he was taking five threes a game this year he's only taking four a game but he's still hitting about the same amount that he's been hitting his whole career he's hitting like one or two a game one and a half last year he, he's hit one and a half too like that's that's what he's done the last two years except now he's taking less attempts and he's up to shooting 37 percent from three so i feel like offensively This is the version of Jaron that I think everybody has been asking for since Mm -hmm. he came into the league. Because I think that's been the biggest, besides the injuries and the fouls, I think one of the biggest criticisms of him, like offensively, has been the fact that he goes out on the perimeter too much. He doesn't play in the paint. And Mm -hmm. not to say that we expect him to go out there and be Zach Randolph and post people up and do all that kind of stuff, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, use your size, use your mismatches. And a lot of people, and I'd agree with him, he didn't do it enough before this season, but this year you can kind of see that that has been the main point of his game. And I do also think it has affected him being more efficient when he does decide to shoot the 3-2 because a lot of his threes have been wide open, too. I think that's been another thing because they're so worried about him going into the paint and scoring.
1: Yeah, and then it's just like um, right now I'm looking at his uh, – from two – he's sh- uh, shooting like seven uh, twos a game, 7.3, and he's at five, 59%. Well, might as well say 60%. And, I mean, that's, that's really good. And then it's just like – well, you were talking about the today, and I commented on your post. It's a lazy argument saying that Jaron Jackson Jr. um less time on the floor um is preventing him from being the defensive player of the year. I mean, really? I mean, he's he he's rarely been in foul trouble. He fouled out one game, and then sometimes uh Jenkins sit him for so long, you know. He have you know, like say for instance, he has two fouls. He sit him. And then a lot of times it's just like the grid is blowing people out and they don't play the fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. then the foul thing is not that bad this year. He didn't have a foul last night. How many times you uh, you look at you know, some of the games, he'll have one or two fouls. Like, I look, oh, Jr. don't have that many fouls. But mm-hmm. I remember when he wasn't fouling that much. And then like when they played Milwaukee, he started fouling a lot then. I don't know what's going on. And then sometimes, like, and I know that Golden State game, you know, Draymond was baiting him. Because yeah. it's just like, Draymond, know, like, if he's there, you know, he's going to try to foul. It, that's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's how Draymond is.
0: Yeah. I, I think so, that's what that came down to, for sure, was right, Draymond it, trying it, to bait him. He was
1: like, well, why he do this in that game? I said, have you guys been watching him um, all season? He's not mm-hmm. been getting much foul trouble, but that's a lazy, lazy argument. I think that's for the people who really don't watch him. Well, why he does this or whatever. Y'all stop doing that. He's not fouling as much as he's been fouling.
0: Yeah, I Here. mean, he's fouling. Yeah, he's fouling at the lowest of his career. He's He was under three a game for a lot of the season. He's right at three a game right now, and yeah. I think that's the lowest he's had in his career. He was over four, I think, two years ago. So it's been awesome to kind of see him blossom on the defensive end and it's not necessarily just the fact and and it's not just the fact that he's fouling less It's that he's fouling less but he's still averaging more blocks per game and all that stuff so it's like he's finding when to actually go for the blocks and he's kind of making better decisions and he's more controlled when he does it and it's not like he's not contesting as many shots like, he's still contesting right. the same number of shots. He's blocking more shots than he did last season, but he's just learned how to do it without fouling. And I do also think the refs have kind of caught up to how he plays a little bit because I do think that some of the fouls he got, especially last season, were more reputation fouls at some times. Yeah. But I think that, overall, they're starting to try to catch up to the fact that he's not he's not as out of control as he was when he was 20. You know, after these last couple of years, I think he's gotten a lot better, especially on the defensive end. <laughs> Yeah. And then uh, I know I mentioned Desmond Bain, too. I think, I mean, yesterday, seeing the way he played 10 out of 12, having, I think, the most efficient game, most efficient 25-point game the Grizzlies have ever had. Uh, So that was pretty remarkable. And it was just, when he first came back, you could tell that he wasn't 100%. You could tell that he wasn't back in rhythm. But I think, especially after they came back home from that road trip because I mean they started him on that road trip I think they really just wanted him to get some run on Christmas I think they wanted to see him out there that game because it was a bigger game even though it's still the regular season Uh, but I don't know if he was necessarily ready I think he might have come back a little bit early just so he could kind of play himself back into shape a little bit and I think that's kind of what we've seen and I mean the last few games he's been the, the three ball has been back to normal, and I think that's the most important thing. And then, I mean, you look at that Suns game yesterday. He was 10 out of 12 overall, three out of four from three. Uh, so just an awesome game for him and a really good stretch of games for him after that toe injury. That is something that I've actually seen, like with Brandon Ingram, too. He's still out because of that. So luckily, it wasn't as bad as Brandon Ingram's was because they were talking about it. They weren't sure when he was going to be back, but glad to see him back and playing the way he's playing now.
1: Yeah, and then like he, you know, really showed out in that Indiana game. But I think the game, what was the game? <laughs> oh, that, the game when he was uh, getting ready to get in, get in the fight with uh, Jordan Clarkson. That's the game where he said that he was back, and I, you know, I thought he did, you know, pretty good, you know, shooting three and everything.
0: But, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I just feel like if him, Ja, and Jaren all clicking at the same time. Once again, I think they're going to be hard to beat. And then especially if the bench come in and do what they do.
0: Yeah, And I just sure. think
1: they're going gonna, gonna, to gonna be a tough out. And I I can see them going to the Western Conference Final. I don't know if they're going to go to the finals, you know, but I don't believe it would be a first-round exit. I don't believe that. I really don't. It's, you know, I know the playoff is a different beast or whatever, but I think that experience last year, you know, you know, like if no one is injured, if they are healthy, I think they could go to the Western Conference Final. I don't know about the finals yet, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see. I I, I mean, I think that's definitely a possibility. I mean, when you look at the, how close they really were last year, if every if you know some timely, uh, like if if I think if Ja doesn't get hurt, that that series probably at least goes to seven instead of six. Uh, maybe that's not the case, but. You're still, even if you just look at those six games, you're like four or mm-hmm. five a play four or five a plays away during the during that series from getting to the next round. Like you don't exactly. give up offensive rebounds in the first game, or if Jaw hits the game winning layup, or if you take a better shot even after Jha gets hurt in game four, uh when you have the lead and then, you know, the Dylan Brooks step back that he missed, they go down the score. Uh there's a bunch there's a bunch of little things that then they if could your coach, coach had
1: to call time out and have mm-hmm. your players to regroup, you have timeouts left on the clock, and yeah, I think one of the games I blame Dylan Brooks and Taylor Jenkins for uh, for losing, but you know we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but ju- just to say that I think that even I think it was good for them to go through that experience, and I think it's one of those things where they're not gonna. You hope they are not going to make the same mistakes that they made last year, because I mean, every team like there's not many teams that have been just put together and then they win a championship the first time they're poised to make a deep run or anything like that. Like that hasn't happened many times in NBA history. A lot of teams have to take their lumps and lose a couple times before they can really get to the level where I think they're getting now. I think they finally have that experience and I think they've learned kind of what it takes to win a playoff series now.
1: Yeah. And then it's just like, to me, I just think like fans and then like other media members, it's like, you know, when they went on that losing streak and people just act act like the sky fell in. People, they got to play ASU games, right? There's going to be losing streaks. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay.
0: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibited. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito It's
1: going to happen. They're not going to win every game that you think that they should win. And then, like, people were talking about something, you barely won against the Spurs. That's because the Spurs, I mean, it's just like they're having their issues, but they're still going to play hard. And then, like, when they lost to Phoenix that time, I said Phoenix just did what they did. They did what the Grizzlies did. When their other players, when um, their main players were out, the players you didn't know about stepped up. Look how, you know, the Grizzlies beat Phoenix last year with Dylan Brooks and Saltson out, out dominating them.
0: Yeah, Look definitely. how, you
1: know, when uh, Jaw was out, look how they beat, you know, Brooklyn. <laughs> So teams did what what they did, and then it's just like when it come back on them. This don't don't say, you know, it's just like they did this that, and the other. Because like I told people, I don't care if you the Charlotte Hornets, I don't care if you the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets, or whatever. Any of those teams can beat you because these are NBA players. You're not gonna win 82 games. It's not gonna mm-hmm. happen. No one has ever never done it. You can win any given time you step on the court, especially if you don't take these people seriously. They are NBA players for a reason. So getting upset and, you know, trying to say, well, they need this, they need to do this, and somebody's training people, and that's just weird to me. It's just weird to me. It's just just weird.
0: Well, yeah, I'll say, like, people did kind of get a lot more, I think – like especially on that losing streak and it was really weird because they had just won I think seven in a row right before that. Yes. And then it's yes. almost like people just forgot about that win streak just because and I think I think it was over. I think the main reason why it happened was because of the Christmas game. And I think that was. The main reason why people were so angry about that particular stretch and then to come back and then after that game lose to the Suns, a lot of people, like you said, felt like the sky was falling. But then you got to look at like where the Grizzlies are right now in the Western Conference. I mean, I think they're in as good of a position as you could ask for. Besides right. being, I mean, I guess you could ask for them to not be tied for number one and they'd be outright number one, but I mean, right. still they got to, the, they have the best, they're tied for the best record in the West. And the most important thing for me isn't necessarily just that they're tied for the best record, but the lead that they have taken on like the middle of the pack of right. the West, because that is going to be an absolute, like six through 12 is about to be an absolute bloodbath in the west when we get down to it and they have now kind of distanced themselves to where they're four and a half games ahead of the pelicans who are in third so it's basically mm-hmm. like they're they're worried about them and the nuggets who's going to get the one seed they don't have to worry about you know if we dropped like because there's going to be an, like there's going to be another stretch where yeah. they might lose mm-hmm. three and four or they might lose uh four out of six or something like that's going to happen like you said it's ups and downs but you've put yourself in a position to when that does happen you're not worried about dang now if we lose a couple more games we might be in the play-in and yes. i think that's the kind of thing like just having that cushion going in to kind of like the all-star break coming out of the mid part of the season i think that's going to be really good for them
1: right cuz like they you know it was just like i um someone posted the remaining schedule like before all-star break um with the grizzlies and um the nuggets and i think the schedule is tough for both of them but i see both of them making out of it pretty good so and then yeah. it's just like i think that that you know, with that losing streak, I think that you know, um, was it like four games?
0: I think four it games, was it league. was four it was four losing four out of five because they won. Yeah, they won in Phoenix, but that yeah, was the only one they won,
1: on like, they, they won on that trip. Yeah, right, right, and then like, yeah, they you know four out of five, and I think that woke them up. But like, people was like worried about the Christmas game. Yeah, it was a Christmas game on national TV, but you know what? it was a regular season game it's not like you lost you know the last game to the finals or whatever you still got a chance to build you know learn from that and win more games it's not like it was a national championship championship it was a regular season game that that's the way i look at it and i think that's the way some people even though you want to win or whatever on the national stage but you know just win when nobody is looking (laughs) keep winning but if you keep winning you know, like we tell people, you tell them if they keep winning, people going to pay more attention to them.
0: Definitely. And, I mean, I think you've already kind of seen that this season, whereas even though, like we said earlier, it might be a lot of people kind of getting on the Grizzlies and maybe they are hating on the Grizzlies. But at the end of the day, Uh, Back in the day, people didn't even think about the Grizzlies to hate the Grizzlies. You know, they were kind of (laughs) just they they were kind of just like uh, in the background a lot of times until the kind of even when the core four kind of came in. I think they got to a new level of, you know, somewhat relevance. But Mm -hmm. I think compared to now, I mean, you you see it every day, whether it's another fan base, whether it's the Grizzlies fan base, I think it's the strongest it's ever been. Uh, More people, even just within Tennessee Uh, because like I said I'm not from Memphis I grew up right outside of Nashville and I remember growing up as a Grizzlies fan here even though the Grizzlies are only three and a half hours away people did not care about the Grizzlies like that but now that they've got Ja and kind of seen stuff like that uh, I've seen a lot more people that are starting to embrace the Grizzlies even over here now I know that Memphis people might hear that and be like stay on that side whatever I get it but it's just I, I still think it's cool that I think everybody is kind of starting to embrace the team a little bit more than they did in the past.
1: Yeah, because, you know, we in Memphis, we not claiming Tennessee. We just our own state.
0: I know, I know.
1: We just our own state. But, yeah, I've been, like, in Memphis, like, next month would be 20 years since I've been in Memphis. So I can claim, you know, the city, you know, whatever. But yeah, we don't claim Tennessee. We just, you know, we are our own little state. But thank you for supporting us, supporting Memphis.
0: <laughs> nah, I appreciate it. Nah, it's it's yeah. it's definitely still going to be interesting to see kind of how they continue to grow, like even outside of Memphis. But I think inside of Memphis is still has become like I think Ja's the biggest star in Memphis right now. Exactly, like, that's not because, even a like, question.
1: Yeah, he he really does. But like like I said. You know, Zebo's still the king of Memphis. So, you know, like Ja, you know, he getting there, but he's still he's still not the king. You know, he he hadn't took took over Zebo's spot yet. Zebo always oh, gonna be king of Memphis, you know, until Ja come and take that spot. Ja bring that championship to Memphis. Yeah, he you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, that but, um, that'll definitely be the thing.
1: Yeah, it, it it will be. But yeah, Ja, you know, it's just like he's really profitable. but it's just like I like how, you know, um Jaron is finally getting his due and people starting looking at Desmond Bain as well. And then, like, people, you know, know who John Conchart is. People know who Sante Aldami is. You know, it's just like, you know, and then like, it was said, it's just like they can't, right now they're not a surprise to other teams. You know, before it was a surprise. Right now, they're, they're the hunted. And I think they have, you know, done that well where it's just like they fight back because it's just like, you know, those games that they lost, you like, y'all need to fight back. Y'all need to do this. But I think Taylor Jenkins reined them in, and, you know, they on the right page, one game at a time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that, I mean, they're definitely on the right page, like you said, 10 games in a row. They've got a chance to tie the franchise record from last season, which is really interesting. If you look at the dates, like compared to last year, this is about the same time when they went on that 11-game win streak last season. Right. Give or take a few mm. days. So that's pretty interesting, yep. I mean. uh, But they've got a chance to extend this win streak to 11, and they're playing against the Cavs. Doesn't look like Donovan Mitchell is going to play, but that's still a very good Cavs team. If I was yep. uh, just wondering, like, the one, number one thing I'm going to be looking for is that this will be one of the only times this season where we're going to see Jaron and Steven Adams go against another like twin towers kind of front court mm-hmm. with uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So I think that'll be interesting. And yeah. And then I, Darius Garland, like I said, I am from Nashville. If you're mm-hmm. listening to this podcast and that disappoints you, I'm sorry. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm a huge Darius Garland fan because, you know, he's from Nashville. Uh, yep. I, followed him a little bit when he was in high school and then when he went to Vanderbilt but didn't play. So it'll be interesting to see him play. But I think this is like I, I always like last season I looked at the Cavs as like Grizzlies East for some of it. Yeah. Because they they were a lot better than people expected, led by young players and everything like that. So they're they're one of the my favorite teams to watch outside of the Grizzlies in the league. Uh but yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting game. And I was just wondering if there's anything in particular that you're looking forward to.
1: Yeah. I, I just want to see the big matchup, see how that goes. And then like um, Garland and job going at, it, and then I want to see how the benches match up
0: for sure. For sure. And I mean, this, this is something where this, this could be a uh, three years from now, finals preview, something like that. If the Cavs can figure it out too, but who knows, but uh, I want to say, I appreciate you uh, coming on, especially in doing this joint podcast, because it's awesome to get to talk to you and everything. And uh, just, I love talking about the Grizzlies and I can tell that you have the same passion about the Grizzlies that a lot of people that I have on the podcast do. So thank you for coming on. And I appreciate uh, everything that you've done in the community and everything like that.
1: Okay, I appreciate you as well. Thank you for coming on and for us to do this joint podcast, Believe in Grizzlies.
0: (laughs) All right, thank you. And uh, okay. we'll see y'all on the next episode. I'll be back next week. And I'm sure that Sharon will be back on her pod next week as well.
1: Holla!